We are joined today by a very special guest. It's an interview that I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, so I am very happy to introduce the former Marvel editor behind the Star Wars line when it was good, Deadpool, one of the co-creators of Gwenpool, the former senior editor, director at Valiant, current group editor of licensing, and the top dog of Star Trek line at IDW. Thank you so much for joining us, Heather Antos, editor extraordinaire. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Can we stop now? I feel like it's all downhill. <laughs> well, not, no way, because you're going to talk after me. I so. know, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up from here. It's all up. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's an early Saturday. We apologize. This is just the time that we decided to do this six years ago and we've never changed it i love it no that's great uh, thank you for inviting me very happy to be here and talk comics which i like to think we all love oh, yeah. you know sometimes i wonder about that but <laughs> in general that's the idea around here uh and there are already people saying hello and welcome to you uh in our live chat so if you guys do decide you have questions for Heather, that's great. But uh, A, make them respectful, as you always do. And B, we'll save them until later on. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty with Heather, and we're going to talk everything you can imagine. Star Wars, Deadpool, Star Trek. We're going to get to everything. Before we do that, uh, I do just want to quickly say, of course, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to do that. You get a lot of bang for your buck, which you know we love to give. You get a weekly newsletter. You get the exclusive show, Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll. And you get a nickname and a shout-out on this very show. So I want to say a special shout-out to the best pals in the universe, Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, and the Red Spiral. And, of course, a very special thanks to the Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight Cosmic Avenger, Super Shenran the Conqueror, and Marvelous Mike and Mackenzie. Thank you all so much. We love you. That list is getting very long. Yes. So many. Yeah. <laughs> yes. These are these are people who are crazy enough to support us on Patreon. So I'm you're, crazy enough to read that every week. I was going to say, you're going to regret this one day when you have a million subscribers. It's just going to be a <laughs> podcast that's just, you know, the list. You're gonna, it's going to be like the, um, what is it, the side effects at the end of like a pepto Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you got it. All, yeah. the, all the warnings. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that, and I uh, I didn't think about that when we first offered that on Patreon. So that's cool. He's got to uh, learn but, to talk really, really so, fast. So uh, if you yeah. want to hear uh, him run through everything as fast as possible, please support them on Patreon because <laughs> um, I do. So that, thank you. That is a that is a ringing endorsement. Uh, also, if you want to catch this show live, that is YouTube every single Saturday at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Pals Polls, our comics review show. And of course, join our Discord where we have the best community in comics. We're always having fun conversations. All right, enough of the spiel. So, Heather, um, I have been looking forward to speaking with you for a while. Yeah. Editors are hard to come by for interviews, um, especially the ones who, I, in my opinion, have been at the highest of highs, uh, as you have. And so I feel like you'll be able to bring a lot of nuance to several conversations that we have here on the show all the time. And I'm very excited for that. 
Um, and I want to start with a question. Well, more like a clarification, okay. because I feel like people seem to think in two extremes when it comes to editors. Yeah. One is that you guys are just cogs in the machine that are there to check for spelling errors and make sure that the artists draw storm right. Or you're tyrannical monsters who withhold pay and dictate stories and gatekeep creators from getting their work. So what is the role of an editor in comics? Yeah, so um, there's there's a first first, just to do a quick sum up of, you know, quick answer, the TLDR, um, accounting, editorial, and proofreading of three different departments. <laughs> um, and uh, I trust me, I have no interest in accounting, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, or proofreading, no, um, but uh, editors, yeah, so the closest clarification, I think, the closest um, description of what an editor's job is, is like a, a showrunner for, for TV or film, um, a producer. Um, you know, we source ideas, we um, source talent, we look for talent, we cast projects, we oversee budgets, we uh, oversee marketing, um, we oversee schedules and timelines and studio needs, you know, publisher needs, the macro picture of it all, um, you know, uh, get people to do what it is they say they're going to do to the very best of their abilities when they say they're going to do it uh, for, you know, 20 to 30 projects at a time. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's chaos every single day uh it's and I think that's why I love it is because you know no two days are the same no two projects are the same I you know I've worked with um some creators my entire career on a multitude of different books and uh every single project is different it doesn't matter you know that they're it's the same people and I think that's what makes it so creatively fulfilling and fun um is that uh every day is is a different adventure <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool yeah so it's yeah pro professional people wrangling it sounds like it is you know <laughs> you're you're a part-time a zookeeper part-time therapist i think um you know uh full-time full-time uh uh story director but uh yeah it's uh <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of therapy calls <laughs> how many late night calls did you spend with you know I don't know. Charles Soule, he's he's got no problems. That man seems like he's very well put together. Charles, but, Charles is great. Charles is great. No, uh, there's there's I you know, there is though there was one time. I love you, Charles, but there is one time where, you know, I'm trying to he owed me a pitch and I was I, I ended up calling him and he was like, Are you ready? And I was like, What? And he's like, You need to write this down. And he literally pitched me over the phone and I'm like having to write down his pitch so I can like send it off uh to the licensor um uh, just because you know schedules are crazy especially when you're charles soul and writing 27 million different projects at a time um but yeah Good no lawyer. i mean i've had the 3 a.m call i've had the you know um there are some i view my philosophy my job is to give the creators the best environment that they need in order to succeed hmm. um and you know within reason of course um so you know there's there's no one right way to edit or create. Everyone has their own different ways in which they like to work. But, um, you know, I do coming up at Marvel, I did notice um, there would be a lot of editors there that this is the way I make a book and you creator have to fit within 
the way I work. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's totally fine, especially if great books come out of that. Um, I tend to work in almost an opposite way where, you know, if I'm working with you, Marco, and you are terrified of your email and you never want to look at your email ever in your life. No, thank you. Um, and you prefer texting or phone calls or some creators I can only get a hold of via Instagram DM. Great. That's how we're going to talk, you know? Um, that's fine. That's, that is the best way that you work or, you know, there are some artists that do really loose layouts and then final pages. They don't, you know, they, they don't draw page one, two, three, four, five. They'll do, you know, a panel here, a panel there, a panel there. That's great. If that's what gets you to turn your work in on time and it's good. Awesome. Power to you. Let's, let's figure that out. Um, you know, my job is to, yeah, provide the best environment for you to do your best work and I will handle all the other bullshit. When I, when I think, you know, editor, everyone thinks, you know, like, oh, it's the guy who's helping you edit your crappy screenplay in college. Uh, when really it sounds like it's more of a project manager, uh, managerial, uh, sort of thing. It's like a creative project manager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there, are, there are some creators that are just have such a strong creative vision and they, you know, they want less of a creative input on things and they do good work. So they don't need, you know, they don't need, need a a story therapist, you know, as, as it were. Um, And they just want you to yell at them when to turn things in. Great. Awesome. (laughs) Happy to do that. If you hit your deadlines and your, your shit's good, those are my favorite jobs, you know? <laughs> like, uh, right? Uh, there's there's not as much to do, but there are, you know, um, there are people that do want that that collaboration and that that creative feedback, and um, a lot of most people need it. You know, most people can't. Um, they're so in the work that they can't see outside of it. Um, you know, especially when starting out, right? A lot of you know, um, creators that I'm, that are less experienced or artists that are looking to write for the first time versus just, just draw, you know, um, it's, you know, writing a script for an issue one is very different than writing a script for an issue two, which is very different than writing a final issue. You know, like, how do you, how do you make something feel episodic and get me the reader to want to pick up, you know, everyone's going to pick up a number one. That's easy. How do I get them to pick up issue two? Mm-hmm. Um, right. How do I get them to pick up issue two? How do I get them to pick up issue three? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I often say issue, uh, issue twos might be the hardest issue to write. Um, because everyone's going to pick up a number one. Right. And if you have a good enough twist, a good enough cliffhanger at number one, they'll pick up issue two. Um, but then to get someone to pick up issue three, is really hard. Um, and issue threes are normally two where you see your order drop-offs on the mm-hmm. retailer um, because by then they'll have sell-through on issue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, getting getting someone to want to like stick with the series at issue three and on um, is really, is it, hard. It's a challenge, um, you know, and yeah. As an editor, do you have do you have strategies that you employ when you're working with writers and creative teams on that second and third issue 
do you have strategies where you go, okay, this is the, these are some of the ideas I have based on experience that will help this along the way? Um, so I don't necessarily have like cookie cutters of, well, an issue ones, you do X, Y, and Z and an issue twos, you do. I don't, that's not how I work. Um, I'm sure some people do and that works for them and that's great. But, um, in general, um, I cut the way, the way I, I use a lot of metaphors in my notes and, um, you know, there's a, there's a promise and then a reward. Right. Um, and I always like with number ones in particular, I'll say like, you know, when, when you're marketing something, um, there's a, uh, there's, there's a new Batman in town. Right. You know, and like, that's, that's, that's the hook, right. Who is, who is this new Batman? I want to pick up this book and I read the book and correct at the end, it's new Batman. Awesome. This book gave me exactly what I ordered. I am satisfied. You know, I can't be upset with that uh, because it's exactly what what I was told I was going to get. But there's nothing extra. Right. There's no reward for that promise being fulfilled. Right. Um, And so, you know, for number ones, I always say, like, you know, by 12 page 1213, if it's a normal 2022 page by page 1213, we have the the promise, the prop, the promise is fulfilled. Um, but then our cliffhanger, the reward for sticking through the promise has to be something that no one saw coming that no one, you know, that's, what's going to get us to pick up the next one. Um, and then we get into what the story is really about. Mm -hmm. Um, and not necessarily like a bait or bait and switch or anything like that, but it's the, you know, it's the, it's the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. There is a new Batman, but right. the new Batman is Two-Face. And in issue two, now you're going to see why and how. Right, right. Exactly. Like that, you know, that could be that could be a, a good example. And so, um, but the big thing for me is, you know, there's a lot of people, writers, editors even, um, who, you know, comics is a very fast-paced industry you know, especially monthly, right, to churn out every month. And so time very much is a luxury. And so a lot of times people skimp on outlines just to get to the script stage. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure we'll figure out the story when it's getting scripted. Um, but then you run into a lot of problems that haven't been resolved. And, you, you know, you're doing things that are not earned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the, what do I, it's the, what wouldn't it be cool if, right? Um, you're right. It would be cool, but why, why are we doing it? If we're just doing something for the fact that it's cool, like then all that is, is is a moment that might make a cool splash page, but it's not going to leave an impact on anyone. It's not going to, you know, I'm not going to relate to it. I'm not going to have a visceral reaction to it. It's, I'm not going to care. Um, you know, and so I tend to put my writers through hell in the outline stage, um, where we are going to figure out every single, you know, every single plot point, every single issue, every single, you know, moment, character beat, um, and make sure all of that is locked and makes sense. Uh, and er- the ending is earned. Um, that way, when you get to the script, we know what's going to happen. Writing the script is going to be the easiest part. At that point, it's just figuring out dialogue and pacing and page turns. Um, you know, we don't have to solve major story problems 
Um, cause the last thing I ever want a writer to do is like, well, I just wrote 30 pages and now you have to scrap the whole thing because right. none of it works. <laughs> so, so essentially like a, like a zero session for in D and D terms in a way, mm-hmm. like kind of getting that down with, yeah, I guess a DM in this, in this point, I'm playing too much Baldur's Gate. Sorry. It's, it's in the brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, like a, for instance, you know, crashing, um, by Matthew Klein, Morgan being one of the first IDW originals mm-hmm. I did. Um, I think we went through the outline, like seven or nine times like we did seven or nine different like drafts of that wow. online so that by the time we got to issue one um there was like th- just we went through and Matthew's a newer writer so he did need a little more massaging but um like I think we only did like three drafts of issue one and by the time we got to issue four the final issue it was like two drafts you know um and uh but but the more work you do ahead of time right the easier uh, the results are going to, are going to be, um, you know, you get those payoffs, the, exactly. the, the actual results of like the, you have the foresight to be able to yeah. plan out. You can move things. It becomes more like, I guess, like a mechanical, right? sure. you can move pieces in and around. You can, uh, I'm... well, that's where the art comes in. That's, sure. okay. that's, you know, that's where, you know, the, the creativity and the flow, like we know what's going to happen. Now we just get to tell how it happens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and have fun with that um, because all the, the structure has been done, you know, that, uh, that clarity going through uh, your site, you have a series on like parts one through five, everything you need to know about editors uh, off of ha. And uh, one of those, you have a few pieces and number four in particular is about, like being clear on goals, being specific about where you're trying to get to from what point to like point A to point B. Um, do those, uh, I guess, when beyond not having the foresight, do those parts kind of get mucked up? Like, is there even after you've plotted it out, is there a scenario where you start to write out the story and go, actually, wait, these some of these things didn't work? And like, what is that reset? Yeah, 100% that happens sometimes where, you know, um, it's it's a uh, Google Maps, right? You have your own map, you have the fastest route, and then all of a sudden there's an accident and you have to reroute. Um, that's okay. We can still get to our final destination. It's just going to take a little bit of creativity, maybe a little bit longer, right? We might t- have to take the scenic route to get there, but we're still mm-hmm. going to get to our final destination. Um, and you know uh, that's something that happens all the time. Um, you know, clarity of goals is a big thing for me as an editor. My job as an editor is not to like, you know what, Sean, I'm going to tell you what your story needs to be. Right. I know that you think it's about this, but I want it to be about that. That's not, this isn't about, you know, I don't hire Sean. I don't hire Marco. I don't hire Tyler because I want them to tell my story. I hire you guys because I want to work with you and I want your stories. Um, you know, obviously there's a little more nuance with that when it comes to licensing, um, because at the end of the day, you know, we are beholden to the licensor. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, I, it's so important for me as an editor to understand your goals with your characters and your story so that I can do the best Google Maps rerouting to make sure that we're achieving those goals in the best way and most, you know, efficient way as possible. Um, because, you know, 20 pages might feel like a lot. It's not a lot of space to tell a story. <laughs> it's not a lot of space to tell a story, especially if you, you know, you have like a very large cast, right? 
Um, you never want anything to feel ancillary. You never want anything to feel superfluous. You know, um, everything needs to be intentional. Uh, and I think that's that's a big part of my editorial process is um, Declan Shelby, whom I've worked with a ton. He he said it really well um, when someone was asking about working with an editor and he, he was like that I make him justify his choices. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, even if he doesn't have an answer, right. For why he chose to write a certain scene or have a character do a certain, certain thing. He just, he just did it because wouldn't it be cool if, right. Um, but then me asking that question or that note, or why is this happening? Like, what is your intention with this? He has to then go back and justify it. And, you know, sometimes he's like, no, I do want this to happen because of reasons X, Y, and Z. Or other times he looks at it and he's like, you're right. I don't know why, <laughs> why that's there. That doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, and that's, you know, I'm not there to like change anything, but I just want to make sure it's clear and intentional um, so that anyone picking up can follow and understand and appreciate the work that's on the page. Feels like in that scenario, you're kind of like a, a mirror. You're, you're you're like asking them to reflect back on yeah. the things that they've written, so that they can think about it again or just in a new way. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times, yeah. So I imagine that it's got to be pretty different when you're editing at Marvel or DC versus a Valiant or an IDW, especially you know now for you at IDW, considering your position and sort of what you get to do, you have a lot more agency, but what are the differences between, you know, editing at, at Marvel, you know, and being in that position and then also now being in your position at IDW with all the experience you have and everything else? Yeah. Um, I mean, experience definitely adds a lot, you know, experience and confidence. Um, I think, uh, and just, uh, wisdom, you know, uh, and and I think the way to Marvel treats its staff is not as great as some other publishers. You're there to fulfill, you know, Marvel. And it's it's kind of like I always say, you know, I and I love I love the people there. I love the characters in the world, but it is a different corporate grind of, you know, creativity, which is not the way I want to create. Um, but it was very much the, have you guys ever seen Devil Wears Prada? Um, and, you know, Stanley Tucci's character is always like, well, you know, a million girls would kill to have your job. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right. very much how it felt yeah. every single day. Uh, you know, very much we'll deal with it because you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Um, one of the lucky and... ones working uh, uh, for a non-living wage in New York City. <laughs> yep, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you know it's working for ip whether it is marvel or idw or boom or valiant or whatever like you still have to serve the ip at the end of the day and the best right. interests of the ip who gets to determine what the best interests are you know or goals of the ip are very different you know at marvel it's now disney um and you know their best i mean and look at the end of the day we're a capitalist society. So the, the best interests for the IP are always going to be money. Right. <laughs> What's going to sell, sell the most, sell the best, um, uh, you know, and uh, so, the, you know, that can, that can vary, but um, 
you know, my goals as an editor are always what is best for the character, what is best for the story, what is best, you know, your, your goals are to tell a Deadpool story that fits inside this event that we're doing. Great. That's my job. Um, you know, <laughs> it's the sales team to figure out how to sell it. That's not my problem. <laughs> um, but Tom Brevoort actually at Marvel had a very good uh kind of roadmap to how to have a quote unquote successful book um and you need at least two out of three things um and uh they're the three c's they're character concept and creator um if you have brian michael bendis on a spider-man book that's gonna sell even right. if it's the most generic, you know, Spider-Man's watching paint dry. I'm still going to pick it up because I want to, what is Bendis going to write about Spider-Man <laughs> watching paint dry, right? Um, you know, if it is Joe Schmo writing Batman, you know, uh, that's it. If it's Batman, you don't need anything else. That'll just sell in and of itself. But but Joe Schmo writing Batman, you know, and it's uh, Batman and dinosaurs, right? right? That's a cool concept. I don't need to know who Joe Schmo is. I kind of want to see what's up with that, right? Mm. Um, but if you have a creator-owned book, you know, no-name character, but it's Brian K. Vaughn, uh, and it's Game of Thrones in space, right? Well, that's cool. I want to check yeah. out what that's about, right? And so... So, you know, it's the, do you want it good? Do you want it fast? Do you want it right? Do you want it cheap? Right. It's, it's kind of like that same, you know, you need at least two of the three in order to like discuss moving forward with a project. Um, and, you know, that's the same as whether you're at Marvel, whether you're self-publishing, whether, you know, whether you're, you're whatever to get the attention of, you know, consumers, you need, you need to have, you know, at least one, <laughs> hopefully two. Yeah. If you have all three, that's awesome. You're 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 pretty set. But yeah. So Bendis on Batman with dinosaurs. I mean, that's I did it. it. That's it. I Those think that dinosaurs actually... are gonna talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna interrupt each other. Yeah. There'll be a lot of uh a lot of snappy chatting. I think that was exactly. the Walmart book, honestly. So <laughs> so um IDW, they they brought you on board to to sort of you know work with the license IP, and since then you know Star Trek, you guys have done an awesome job with the sort of like renaissance of Star Trek, um, and how cool that's been. Um, and so, what's the process been like for you of reviving Star Trek and really bringing it uh, to form? And then also, I think this is true, launching the first ever Star Trek event yeah. in comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, it was, when I got handed Star Trek, it was very, very intimidating. Um, so uh, to, to backtrack, when I was hired at IDW, I was hired originally to uh, oversee the all ages Star Wars and Marvel books, which is kind of hilarious to me because my whole career went full circle in that moment uh, to go from working at Marvel on Star Wars to now at IDW working with Marvel and Star Wars. Um, but uh, 
we didn't renew that contract, that license. So Star Wars and Marvel were no longer with IDW. They went to, or Star Wars went to Dark Horse. And I think that all ages Marvel just kind of ceased to exist um, entirely. But uh, my bosses came to me because there were some other editorial shifts happening at the time. They asked, you know, what of our licenses would you be interested in? Um, you know, they had G.I. Joe at the time, Transformers, Sonic, Ponies, Star Trek, uh, Turtles, um, and some other, some other stuff in development. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up watching Turtles. I'm not a Ponies person. You know, the, the, the license that I was most familiar with was Star Trek. Um, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be funny going from Star Wars for most of my career to, to that other Star <laughs> franchise, right? Um, and there is, there is something really interesting about Star Trek to me, not just, not just cause I'm a fan of the franchise, but also, you know, fandom as we know it today would not exist without Star Trek, um, point blank period, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in two years is the 60th anniversary of Star Trek as a franchise, Star Trek fans did the first fan conventions ever that was star trek fans so comic-con you know wouldn't exist without star trek fans um and you know the mcu this multi-universe right uh multiverse all those films the tv shows all that wouldn't exist unless star trek had done it first and um but for some reason the comics just kind of existed you know, um, Star Trek fans were reading them, but comics fans weren't re- reading them. Mm. And one of the things that I loved about working on the Star Wars comics and getting to launch that line at Marvel was, you know, it wasn't just Star Wars fans, like comics fans were reading those comics. Um, and they felt big and they felt important and like they mattered. And, you know, they really made a statement on, what star wars storytelling could be in a modern era and i wanted to try and see if we could do you know kind of bring some of that energy to star wars or to star trek and because you know i was looking at like the last several years of the line and not that anything that came before was bad necessarily but it was just a bunch of mini series that existed in a vacuum you know, they, you know, oh, here's this mirror war story, or here's this random Kelvin story, or here's this tie in with the TV show, but they never interacted with one another. They never ex- acknowledged the universe as a whole, you know, um, in a way that any other large DC, Marvel, Star Wars IP does. Um, and they never, quote unquote, mattered, you know. And as we know, as a fan, when I have only a limited amount of money to spend at the comic shop every single week, I don't want to read a story that just is a lost episode. I want to read something that feels big, that feels important, that feels like it matters. Um, and so we were coming up on the 400th issue of, of Star Trek Comics um, with IDW. And I thought, you know what, this makes a really great place to kick off a new era of Star Trek comics. Um, 
And I went to two writers who have been on the rise for a long time, whom I love dearly and have worked together a ton and are the biggest Star Trek fans I know, <laughs> Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly. And I asked them, what does a book that's just called Star Trek look like? Who are the adventures of Star Trek? What's a story that we can only tell in the comics? Mm. Um, you know, how do we get characters together that are never going to appear together on screen or that can't appear together on screen? You know, what's a story that feels big and like it matters? And, you know, that's how we brought Cisco back, you know, uh, mm. from the Jordan wormhole. You know, we get Scotty, we have Spock, we have Data, we have all these characters, you know, everyone's favorites all in, all in one go. And, um, you know, the goal from the beginning was always to bring in Defiant. The goal from the beginning was always to do Day of Blood. It was always to, you know, expand the universe and show how Star Trek can feel bigger than just a lost episode book. Um, and every single book, I think, you know, the creators have done such a good job. They stand on their own. They have their own identity. They have their own voice. But if you're reading everything, um, you know, like, they do acknowledge the universe as a whole in a way that the books just haven't done in in a long time. Like, a, for instance, if you read our Deep Space Nine, the Dog of War miniseries that Mike Chen and Angel Hernandez did, um, Cork gets a corgi named Latinum <laughs> in it, uh, as Cork is wont to do. And, uh, you know, in arc two of Star Trek, where Cisco and the crew go back to, uh, to Deep Space Nine, Years later, years after our Deep Space Nine book takes place, there you'll see a little Latinum just running around in the background. And, um, you know, if you hadn't read the other miniseries, cool, there's a dog on the ship. Who cares? But, it, you know, like, but if you're reading everything, right, it's it's a cohesive, you know, you see them acknowledge each other. There's a there's a fun little nod. Um, I'm very excited about coming up next month in our Day of Blood event. Um where honestly the resolution for day of blood can't have happened uh unless a certain event took place in our tos echoes book oh um that that comes out but again you don't need to read all of it to like to get it and understand it but it's a nice little nod to what characters are also showing up in the echoes book that do show up you know, and, and defiant Star Trek and therefore have memories of something that happened, you know, all those years ago. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, just little things to show that, you know, these, these books and these stories are bigger than just, you know, the individual pages that they fall on. Well, first, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Day of Blood because uh, it's a, it's a five-part crossover. Um, we got the Day of Blood number one, um, uh, back in July, two books are out now in August: Star Trek Defiant number six and Star Trek Eleven. I think is coming out, and then in September we're getting Star Trek Defiant number one and Star Trek number twelve. So it's a it's a compact event. If you guys want to check it out, I've been reading. I think it's been a lot of fun. And one of the things that I like about it so much, and this I think speaks to you know the talents that you've developed and grown in this kind of role, is that this feels like what events are supposed to feel like. Yeah. There's there's preamble, there's a prelude to it that you can read or not read. If you read it, then when you get to the event, it feels like you've been building towards something and you're excited. And if you haven't, hey, it's an event. 
And that stuff's there if you want it. But if you don't, you can read this and you're absolutely fine. And that's what I always thought events were supposed to be. And I just love that. And I felt right at home. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's been, I drive my writers crazy with it. I think sometimes because I'm very big on like, you know, day of blood has a big old number one on it. You know, it has a big old number one on it and we're talking, it's a big thing. So, you know, if someone hasn't read defiant one through five, if someone hasn't read star Trek one through, you know, one through 10, like they need to be able to pick this book up and like follow it. You know, they don't have to understand every little nuance or every little quip or every little whatever, but they need to be able to, <laughs> to, you know, um, get like, oh, this is a big deal. And if our characters don't do, don't stop call us, like bad shit's going to happen. Like they, yeah. you know, they need to be able to uh, to understand. I mean, it's a thing. It's a, we're, we're talking, I'm talking with writers about like a follow-up story that will come out after a couple months after the event. And I'm driving them crazy right now because they're they're so referen referential to something to some moments that happened in the event and i'm like guys like is this going to make sense to anyone if they one if they haven't thought about this event in six months um or two uh if they didn't read it in the first place you know like this still has to it's it's the promise and reward again right like and and if i am expected and we've all heard it, you know, if I'm expected to have done homework before enjoying the story, then I don't want to read it. That's too much effort. You know, I want to be able to, and I think that's kind of like, you know, the fatigue we're all getting with the MCU right now. I should have to watch five television shows to understand a movie, mm -hmm. you know, and, and comics shouldn't be like that, you know, um, and, and it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of extra effort, but you know, I think the results speak for themselves. I think it also makes them reliant on themselves where you can't then have the book stand on its own. Mm -hmm. you, you can't drive a singular narrative within each contained story mm -hmm. because they're so tied together. And then yep. that feels like, to your point, work. I have to do, I have to do that homework. I have to make sure I'm studying up on this one to make sure that I know the right answer for this. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, it's one of my least favorite that I I like it drives me crazy because I'll give a no and just be like just give us a little context I'm not asking I don't need to spend three pages on something one sentence I just need one <laughs> sentence you know a little editor box uh, is all and not even that just you know I uh I I often reference sitcom writing because I think sitcom you know writing or just res any residual television show from you know the 90s um uh, 80s 90s when you couldn't binge watch anything right um i always reference these where uh and not to date myself but back when live television and commercials were the only way that people watch things but people would would uh channel hop through commercials right and you would flip oh i don't want to watch this commercial so i'm gonna see what else is on elsewhere and then go back uh if you watch any television show and just pay attention to the dialogue. Any new scene, any comeback from commercial, any new change of location, they will name the characters. They will give a quick little, this is the status quo. This is the problem. And just a one, one quick sentence. I, I reference Friends a lot because that's, that's the show I watch all the time. But just, you know, like, hey, Joey, why are you sitting in Chandler's chair? That's all my clothes, right? It right. Just has right away... I know these characters, I know the relationships, I know the problem in one sentence. And, you know, 
and do people normally talk like that? No, people don't normally <laughs> talk like that. But it gives us the information, you know, when I'm watching something, I'm not like, oh, wow, that's not how I talk to my friends. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the moment and getting, you know, getting the context for the scene. Um, and yeah, when, when an editor is asking for context or clarity, they're not like, write me an essay, you know, <laughs> uh, just give a sentence. It's <laughs> one sentence. It's not hard. Y'all like to put dialogue balloons. Like, what's one more? <laughs> right, or or in some cases, probably less. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. 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 But yeah, all the time, I I will do like, can we get some context as to like why this is important? And you know, the licensors or, or sometimes the writers will be like, well, start. People have been reading the book will know, and I'm like. Okay, well, this is the first issue of a new arc. So let's let's pretend that we're getting new readers. Like right. let's let's just let's let's hypothetically. That's <laughs> so funny. Like you yeah. would think that especially because of Star Trek being, you know, at least to my understanding, like traditionally like episodes, there's continuity and there's certainly yeah. a, a through line, but you can watch most episodes of Star Trek and you'll you'll be fine. Yep. So you would think that they would get the importance of something like that. But. Oh, and they do. They do. It's it's but it's the issue like, you know, when you're so into your right. story, you forget that, you know, you know everything. Um, right. you know, um, uh, especially like for fandoms like Star Trek that you have the diehard nerds who know everything. Um, and can like reference specific scenes from specific episodes 40 years ago right and like like you know I like Star Trek I am not that nerd you know I'm not that nerd that that I was I was at San Diego Comic-Con on one of the Star Trek panels and I just they were doing like a trivia and you know if you answer the question you get like whatever prize and some of it was like what's the name of the episode where this random like tidbit <laughs> happens and people knew it and I'm just like <laughs> I don't think I love anything that much like there I like I know a lot I have a lot of weird random nerd trivia up in this brain but I don't think I'm ever at the point where I'm like I can tell you exactly the episode title <laughs> that's the, the amount, title the amount of, of the discussions. opening line Yep. The amount of discussion to see online based on the amount of pips on a collar of a uh, of a Star Trek character. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh okay. no, that I can do. That's that's okay. that's. <laughs> do not get me started on rank badges. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a big deal. I can only do this for Buffy. We get past Buffy, I'm out. Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. I got you on names of episodes. After that, <laughs> um, so I wanted to shift gears and talk a little bit of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Heard um, it because. <laughs> Cursory knowledge, a little bit of familiarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are two points in my life where I love Star Wars most. The first one is when I discovered Knights of the Old Republic, the video game. Amazing game, my favorite game. But the second is the initial era of Star Wars comics. That launch in those first few years were phenomenal. Tyler right now has on the screen Dr. Aphra. Dr. Oh, Aphra is my yes. favorite Star Wars character. Oh. I love Dr. Aphra so much. So I wanted to talk to you about what that time period was like and just the energy. I got to imagine the energy of being able to be a part of the team that brought Star Wars back in yeah. comics at Marvel must have been really cool. It was... Uh... It was insane. Like, uh, yeah, I, so I was 
I had done like self-publishing before Marvel and like that's kind of how I broke in and um when I was asked if I wanted to interview for an editorial position it was like right after they announced they were getting Star Wars um like literally like the month or so after and I had no idea what I was interviewing for and at the time like I will be the first to admit I was not reading Marvel comics like I read Deadpool and that was about it I was I was definitely more of a DC girl at the time oh wow and I you know nothing against Marvel it was just I like a lot of people to comics I was just like I have no idea where to start I have no idea what Spider-Man is she to pick up or you know whatever and um but I love Deadpool so all I read was Deadpool and so during interviewing I remember going to a comic shop and talking to my boyfriend at the time being like I guess I should buy a Marvel comic (laughs) (laughs) um but I was a huge Star Wars nerd like huge I I you know um been playing a tabletop Star Star Wars RPG for six years at that point like an ongoing you know like yeah very yeah um and uh but I had no idea that I was interviewing to be the star star on the Star Wars team um so when I found that out and they're just like great your first professional you know job with a publisher um you're working on the biggest franchise of all time with Jason Aaron John Cassidy Mark Wade Terry Dodson right like all of these powerhouses just like insane you know um and I think my first day at the office they're like great you're gonna deliver script notes to Mark Wade today um which like Mark and I are buddies now but like then like little 20 24 year old me I was just like what you want you want (laughs) what who you you said that and I got sweaty like right you know and and you know also like I had to write, one of my jobs was writing uh, the recap pages, which for those initial Star Wars books were the opening crawls, right? And like, what is one of the most like mood defining moments of a Star Wars movie? It's that opening crawl. It's yeah. that, you know, um, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, right? You're in the theater and you hear the the 20th Century Fox and and then the, you know, the theme and, and the crawl goes down. Um, that's it. You're setting the tone. And yep. I remember like, it's three paragraphs. It's it's just three paragraphs on a page. And I think it took me like eight hours to write my first one. And I was so nervous and so like paranoid. And I sent it to Lucas Fong because I had to prove everything. Um, and it came back no notes. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. I'm not fired. Like, <laughs> you know? um, but no, I mean it was it was a very exciting time, but it was it was a very stressful time. Um you know, uh, working on IP with a partner, um, is difficult, especially when, you know, it's that level of building trust with, with your, your external partners. And, um, especially when the processes hadn't been figured out yet. Um, and that was that, that those first couple of years, I'm so proud of all the work that we've done, but it, it was difficult at times because, you know, um, it's that balance of when the movies are happening, right? Um, well, movie people don't want us touching anything that has anything to do with their films, right? right? There was a period very early on where they were like, oh, well, you can't do anything with Han, Luke, or Leia. And it's just like, um, but who can we tell stories on? Yeah. You know? and, and what is like, Star Wars? 
well, but how about Admiral Akbar? You know, like these are like these are these are very real conversations. Um, you know, and I I often talked about it when because my whole career I've done licensed you know IP with external partners and I do it very well and a lot of that is is my like it's a negotiation it's a compromise it's a relationship um, you know my job is to create the very best Star Wars now Star Trek right, comic that I can that is my job their job is to tell me no. You know, their their job is to protect the brand, protect the IP. And um, a lot of times that is, well, that's not safe. That's too risky. That's too, we don't know how people will respond to that. So we'd rather just not do it. Right. Um, and uh, I think there's a time, especially with Star Wars, I would notice that um, people's fandoms are so big that they're, well, I can't say no to Lucasfilm. They just have to, you know, like, I just have to accept what they say. Um, and <laughs> I'm not that person. <laughs> They'll be like, well, you can't do this for reasons. I'll be like, that's cute. We're going to figure out another way to do it though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and, and I learned a lot. I learned so much working on those books and with writers like Kieran and Mark and Jason, who are just brilliant at their craft and, and, the way they would problem solve um, some of the like stupid notes that we would get, um, you know, and, and, and make the next version even better than the original yeah. um, is, is, is just, it's, it was truly an honor. And I, I learned, I learned so much from getting to do that. Working on the, that... the Star Wars books, was the idea of these characters becoming live action, like on the table, like Black Chrysanthemum, finally shows up in you know book of boba fett which is awesome. yeah i popped real hard when i saw yeah, that yeah dude yeah. yeah i cried man i cried, yeah. I cried when that happened. Uh, it, it which is so funny because anyone on the internet knows like i'm not boba fett's biggest fan um and so i think what was episode three or something where where he appeared and i i like tweeted i was just like cheered up today during you know during today's episode of book of boba fett and someone responded, it was just like, oh man, me too. That moment when like XYZ happened and like you and I are watching a very different episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, awesome. anything is possible. You know, they, they own these characters. We don't own these characters. So anything is possible. Um, you know, we would get hints here and there that people were like poking and prodding and, and seeing what's available when we would get asked to, you know, um can you send in reference shots of you know x y and z the animation team is asking about this character like you know can you can you fill out these character profiles or answer these questions you know whatever stuff like that so it's still like oh someone's curious um you know but seeing characters like some of the inquisitors show up you know in uh like the video games or um you know black Crescenton or some of the other stuff here and there it's 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 really cool um, to see the reception to to some of the stuff and and to know that like you know I had the teensy the smallest smallest little bit of um, effort behind it in some way is is just it's you know they're my babies and it's just so cool to see um, the response because uh, you never know right you never know how people are going to respond to to any of this stuff and so um to see the reception especially with star wars because man star wars fans hate star wars let me tell you you're not kidding uh, <laughs> you're not kidding 
So yeah. uh, to be a part of something that people liked, it's <laughs> <Star Wars, laughs> really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and like you, you did it and it was good. And that whole initial crop of creators did such a great job. And then y'all bounced. And so any <laughs> negative critique of the more of the Star Wars comics now is like, yeah, that was, that's not my era. We mm-hmm. had our era. Yeah. We had no, our run. It's, it is, you know, and look, creative choices are made for reasons you know i i can't get into that but it is it is a nice point of pride where when i'm at shows and creators who worked on star wars or um fans you know they'll come up to me and they'll just be like i miss you on star wars and it just like oh you noticed (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) i worked very hard (laughs) so i want to say once again the star trek day of blood uh, crossover series. The first Star Trek event is currently happening now. This is like IDW's big summer Star Trek event. Um, it's not. If, if, if yeah. you read Star Wars and you read Vader Down, this is our Vader Down. Vader Down was phenomenal. This Amazing. is this is literally our Vader Down. Vader Down was the inspiration behind. I mean, the story is different, but like yeah. you know, building Star Wars and Darth Vader to vader down is what star trek defiant to day of blood is so if you liked those books like definitely pick these up because it's it's for the same fans the dna is definitely very evident and like i said it's just a five-part crossover so if you're a star trek fan if you're a good comics fan go out and pick it up um we've got a few more minutes but there's a written i want to i want to touch on something um you know the Unfortunately, the comics industry has been going through a lot lately. Um, and we had, you know, the the unfortunate, terrible death of Ian McGinty and the conversation that that all sparked. Um, and you've been, you know, you've been critical. You were one of the people who was tweeting about comics and your experience, particularly at Marvel. And you talked about, you know, some of the low pay issues and maybe like a toxic environment. Um, can you speak to where that culture sort of comes from and why it's so pervasive, particularly there, um, and just kind of, you know, your thoughts on on where we're at this moment in comics? Yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously a very complex, complicated, nuanced conversation where there's, yeah. there's just no one singular solution. Um, you know, I think, and it's not, and I think the thing I was actually talking about this with a, with a writer who, um, still does comics, but they now, uh, they have a full-time gig in marketing and he was like, you know, it's not just comics, it's everywhere. I think it's just capitalism. And I think like, that's the thing at the end of the day is, is, uh, late stage capitalism, uh, sucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, um, don't realize, and it's not an excuse, but, uh, you know, um, that a lot of comics companies, several comics companies started, uh, with four guys in a basement, you know, right. um, it's, it's not anyone with a business background to, I want to make a business where we publish comics. That's not, you know, how most of these companies started. A lot of it is I want to make comics. So I'm going to just start publishing comics and and buying LLC and you know 
do it that way and then it grows and then shit I have to figure out how to run a business um that's why you get a lot of these companies without HR teams without an actual legal department without an actual um because uh they don't know or it just you know it's it's just not top of mind as a necessity um you know when I was uh, one of the other companies I've worked for are accounting and legal and hr was all one person um what yes one person um and so yes um but i think like that that is something that a lot of people don't understand again not an excuse but just the reality um you know and a lot of people think that like oh if you work for a publisher like you're rolling in dough um that's not the case, you know, <laughs> like talk when I was at Marvel, they paid us less than 30 grand a year. Um, fucked. yeah. When this is I was New York in New York city. So you want it, it gets better. So 2015 I'm at Marvel. Um, I'm with Jordan white and we are doing all the star Wars books and all the Deadpool books. That's, that was our office. We're doing those books. Um, I think it was Dan slot did the math and he, calculated that in 2015 the highest selling publishers the best publishers was marvel jordan and i in dc that's crazy um so jordan and i just our office our small little star wars and deadpool comics did better than all of dc um and getting paid less than 30 grand a year (laughs) um so that and that's just because they can't because because a million girls will kill for your job right it's that it's that mentality and you know all creative industries it's not just comics it's it's hollywood it's modeling it's it's a lot of creative industries really prey on that passion and they Mm -hmm. prey on that you know um toxicity of these people will put up with absolute shit um in order to work on the ip that they love and in order to you know do the thing that they love and so that's why i always you know tell creators like you are your business um you know i heather antos in my own business yes i work for idw but i am heather antos and i run the business that is heather antos and so i have to look out for me because no one else is going to and it's on me to negotiate that and um you know, because no corporation is going to be looking out for your best interests. You got that right. And, you know, these creators would be like, well, they're offering shitty contracts. And like, you can say no, you know, and that's not to put the sole onus on the creators. These companies shouldn't be offering shitty terms, but mm-hmm. you also can say no to them. You can negotiate. And that's the thing, too, is a lot of people don't realize, like, they have agency and they have autonomy. Um, and it's scary. It's so scary to say no to, to when you finally have an offer. Um, but it's important to say no. <laughs> right. Um, you know, know your worth, own your worth. I, you know, I think it, it was a very eye-opening moment for me when I was leaving Marvel. Uh, I knew after a year of working there that this was not the best creative environment for me. As I said before, that, that corporate, you know, um, we're just doing this just to, just to make budgets. It's just not, I don't think anyone does their best work in those environments. And so I knew Marvel wasn't forever, but it was all about like, what is the right fit? And 
when I did leave, I was talking, you know, giving my two weeks notice and talking to other colleagues there. Someone said to me, Heather, if not Marvel, what else is there? And I looked at them and I said, self-respect. Um, you know, like I love Marvel. I love those characters, but it is not worth the, the hell that, you know, um, for me personally to work there. Um, you know, some people are fine with that and that's great. I hope they thrive there. Um, but it was killing my joy and we all get into these creative industries because we want to, to feed our joy, you know, and it's, and it's important to protect that. And, um, you know, I don't want to be the curmudgeon jaded, <laughs> jaded old people, but I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, the industry does have a lot of learning to do. I think, you know, there definitely is an oversaturation of, too many companies trying to to be image you know or too many yeah. companies trying to be vertigo like i mean image isn't even image that, that that they used to be not anymore no they're not and it's because you know boom also does creator owned and, and skybound and dark horse and oni and idw and 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 now and. we've got distillery exactly um you know and i think the other thing too is um on the creative front Yes, you should 100% be paid a living wage for, for doing a job. And, you know, it is on the creator to advocate for, for themselves on that. Um, but also, like, just because you want a job doesn't mean you're entitled to a job. Um, you know, there are only one person can write Batman at a time. Only one person can draw Batman at a time. That's just, that's how that works, right? And, um just because I want to be, you know, number one billboard top selling singer <laughs> doesn't mean I'm entitled to that. Um, you know, I still have to work for that. Um, and, that's, a, and, that's for Taylor. Yes, that is for Taylor. I'm coming for you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, there's, there's just a level I think of entitlement and immaturity and just like, you have to be smart. You are your advocate. It's, you know, you do have to market yourself as a creator. There's more avenues than ever to put yourself out there to, to run your business, like Patreon conventions, you know, other merch, other, other gigs, Kickstarter, right? Exactly. Substack, all of this stuff. Like, do I want to just sit in my hole and never have to talk to another human being or market or, you know, do anything and just like create and have Walt Disney tap on my shoulder and be like, it's you, you're the one, here's a billion dollars. That would be wonderful. <laughs> That's not how the world works, you know? And so, you know, these are the rules of the game. I understand that I can't, I don't have the power myself to change the rules. Um, but I can use my experience and wisdom to navigate that that board game as best as I can and, you know, pay it forward where I can and use my platform where I can to advocate and and change. Um, and that's all any of us can do, you know. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it is frustrating, but it's also you have to do what's best for you. Um, and... Yeah, that's all any of us can do. I don't know. It's not the most uplifting answer, but I I think there's there's a lot of, you know, editors are evil and rolling in a billion dollars. And like it's 
that's not the case. Most of my day is, is like, how do I get my creators paid more? (laughs) Right. Um, and, and, you know, I can't, I also like, can't advocate for you as a creator. If you aren't hitting your deadlines or answering my emails or, (laughs) you know, wow. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a nuanced conversation. It's so nuanced and complex. And I wish there was a simple solution of just more money and, you know, looking at you billionaires out there, Taylor Swift, fund comics. I don't know. Like- <laughs> right. I don't know. Those private planes are. Well, you, well, you let, let's not call on, on billionaires because we saw what Elon Musk did to Twitter. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we want them out of comics. That's fair. That's fair. But um, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you answered that. And first of all, you answered a lot of questions that I would have asked or I wanted to ask. So I'm glad you nailed them. And I'm glad you answered that in a nuanced way that addresses the, 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 the reality yeah. of creating comics, not the ideal of creating comics. And I think that that's where a lot of people get caught up. I mean, Heidi McDonald, uh, she got shouted down pretty bad uh, from Comics Beat, for those of you who might not know. She got shouted down pretty bad on Twitter for essentially saying what you just said. Um, And I know there are a lot of creators that don't want to hear it. We have creators in our community. And I think that what Heather just outlined is the heartbreaking reality for a creator. You have to earn your, your spot. And you have to advocate for yourself every single day in every way. And I think, you know, I think the the thing that people like, so say a comic $3.99, right? That's your average comic is $3.99, four dollars, right? Um, I I can't speak to like the PRH and Lunar, but back when like Diamonds was sole, you know, monolith out there, 65 cents of every dollar was going to going to Diamond um what something something like that like something some obscene high percentage um was going to diamond because they were monopoly monopoly and they could right um so that's diamond well then you have your warehouse fees well then you have your shipping fees well then you have your printing fees well then you have your production fees well then you have your intern you know your your internal fees and then you have your creative costs and then you have your licensors costs on top of that and then you have profit Right. And so I think I I did some like very bare bones math of like, hypothetically, let's say we could pay every writer $100 per page, every artist, I think 350 for pencils and inks, every colorist, uh, I think it was like 150, you know, like, just like, here's, here's like, if you're making a good, not, not like top level Greg Capullo rates, but like, you know, you can live off of this if you're, if you're doing 20 pages a month. I, and I think just to sustain creative costs alone at those, at those like nice, comfortable living, a comic would have to sell. I think it was like 12,000 copies um, just for one issue, just for creative costs. Um, and that's, that's the reality. Um, and so when you have companies, you know, your distributors that are uh monopolizing the industry and and you know really being greedy and um everything on top of that and and it, like it's it's tough it's really really tough um and so uh yeah there's no there's no one good answer except 
buy comics, pre-order your comics. That's why those pre-orders matter. <laughs> like right. that is why those pre-orders matter. Um, so yeah. Well, Heather, we want to respect your time. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that answer. We can't, we can't end on a downer. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if that's how you feel, we do have a game that we, that we yes, wanted to play. I will with play you. a game. I will play a game. Okay. That is absolutely perfect. So on this show, we like to end with a draft. Oh, and uh, so <laughs> all it is. Never mind. I take it back. <laughs> We're just so so I'll explain it. So what we're going to do today in this particular draft is in honor of you being here and in honor of the work that you've done, we're going to be drafting a team of four science fiction heroes. Okay. And so the rules are simple. It's one character from a universe. So you can't pick like Darth Vader and Dr. Afra. And screw you, I can do what I want. <laughs> well, you did have a hand in, you know, putting it all together. So I guess you're right. Um, and they have to be a character who would be on a spaceship typically. Okay. So because Heather is the guest, we're I'm gonna say that she gets to draft first. Okay. And for the rest of us, I will do the typical uh oh draft decider, which are my handy dandy dice. I'll go with my X-Men dice. Uh, they're loaded uh, dice, by the way. Just They're not loaded, and okay. it doesn't matter if they are because she's going first. Ooh, fair, Ooh. fair. I'm just worried about me going last again. <laughs> That's okay. probably That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's so, okay, sorry. Refresh. It's a draft. Best sci-fi characters. You get four. Have you're to be. You're building a crew, right? Building yeah. a crew. Yeah. And they have to be characters you would typically see on a spaceship or yeah, yeah, a pilot. Yeah, yeah, semantics. Like okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you guys are ready, I'm rolling my die now, and I'm rolling for Marco. Okay. So here we go. That is a seven. Ooh, middle All of the right. road. I'm rolling for Tyler. That is an eight. All right. And for myself, that is a six. Okay. So last. the order. First time last? Yeah, yeah, I think this might be my first time going last. Uh, the order will be Heather, Tyler, yep. Marco, and myself. And it'll be a snake draft. Tyler, you control that part. Okay, okay yep. <laughs> All right. So, Heather, up first. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go. I don't know. This is tough. This is tough. This is hard. <laughs> Tom accounts at Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. Then we get Buzz Aldrin. Um, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go with data first. Mm, nice. Okay. Because because if all else fails, data can do everything himself. He can just plug into the ship and just run it himself. That's true. <laughs> and I assume he comes with spot as well. He has to. He has to. I mean, yeah. you get yeah. data so you can have spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go Star Trek as well. And I need my boy Worf. Mm. Oh, nice. Very I good. Just, uh, That's a good one. It's, um, it's just, I just want to hear some scr guttural screaming in the hallways of my, my space deck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to deviate a little bit. I want to start with a captain. So I'm actually going to go um, Malcolm Reynolds, uh, Firefly. Hey, okay. Oh, Serenity, cool. baby. Cool. All right. Well, you guys know me. I'm a Marvel lover. So yeah, I'm going to kick things you off go twice, with. Sean. Yeah. Sorry? You go twice, just so you know. Right, right, right. 
Uh, I'm going to kick things off with Reed Richards. Ooh, that's a good one. Space, okay. And uh, I'm going to go next with Luke Skywalker. Oh, damn. Okay. You went, you went with Wormy? Wormy? What do you mean? Yeah. yeah, that's that's what that's what the, his bullies used that's, to call him when he was a kid. That's what they called him. Yeah. Come on, know your Star Wars fandom, guys. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Called out, fake fan. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do Sulu because he's my he's one of my favorites. Nice. Oh, cool. Sulu. Okay. Oh my. All right. Um, <laughs> I wait. Is it not Heather's turn? No, I go, and then no. Heather goes. Oh, first. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I'm gonna go with. Let me go. Let me go Marvel, and I want Rocket Raccoon. Ooh, nice. good one. That's a good one. Damn, he was on my list. Oops. All right, I'm gonna go with get my pilot on. Um, mm. Use Ray, so we have someone who can fix shit and use the Force and pilot a ship. And you get you get one more. And then oh, and I get one more after that. Um, array of data. Get my muscle. I'm gonna go with Groot since you got Rocket. Fair, That's nice, good. fair, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's back to me. Um, I don't have a. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna get a pilot. I'm gonna get Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. I, have, hey. I have the furriest so group so far. There we go. Um, pilot, pilot. I'll do a uh, Porkins. I miss him. Ah! Jack Porkins? Yeah. Um, his piloting. Do you know what happened, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm aware. Okay. I'm aware. Stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> he was one. <laughs> um, There's, um, uh, not to, 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 but my friend has a Ryan Brown uh, commission of Jack Porkins um, where Porkins is bigger than the X-Wing that he's in. It's the funniest amazing. commission I've ever seen. Yeah. It's me, right? Yeah, you go twice, and that's your that's your crew, Sean. Yeah, cool. So that means I'm gonna choose Ripley uh, from Damn. Alien. Yeah, okay. And I'm gonna close it out with the robot from Lost in Space. <laughs> oh, dang, specifically that's... the 1998 movie yeah. <laughs> where my man was toting fucking guns. That's the version I want: lasers and guns. Okay. So, Marco, I think it's your last one, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with... Mm. Oh, damn. Uh, you know what? Give me Gamora. Want some, want some more muscle. Need some, uh, some athleticism there. All right. I'm going to finish off with uh, Marco. Thank you for reminding me. I'm going to go with Spike Spiegel. Oh, that. no, no. <laughs> What a fool that's, I was. That's really funny because I'm going ed- with Edward Wong, How Peplu, Taruski, the fourth. There we go. Well done. Yeah. Wait, can you repeat that? Yeah. <laughs> Edward Wong, How Peplu, Taruski, the fourth. I, 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 I only got two of those names, but that's okay. Hopefully, people, <laughs> other people other than me know. Marco knows. I'm aware. Yep. Marco knows. Love Ed. That's um, the best. Okay, so that those are our teams. Uh, so Heather got Data, Ray, Groot, and Edward. Just Wong. say Ed. Just, just Ed. Ed. It's just, just Ed. say Ed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tyler got Worf, Rocket Raccoon, Chewbacca, and Spike. Marco got 
uh, Reynolds, Sulu, Porkins, and Gamora, and I got Reed Richards, Luke Skywalker, Rip, Rhea, um, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, not, that's <laughs> <laughs> Ripley and the robot from Lost in Space. So, audience, it's up to you. You guys let us know who you think won the draft. The qualification for what wins is whatever it is that you think, whatever, whoever it is you like the most. Maybe you picked Heather's because you like that dude's really long name. Whatever it is. Whatever, whatever's clever. Gotta get you. And just know, um, if you don't pick me, I have the power to kill your favorite character in comics. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn. <laughs> that, that was a threat. Well, spots in danger? Oh, no. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. Well, that hopefully that's the positive note. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Murdering comic book characters. Yes, yes. That's the positive yeah. note that the editor extraordinaire wants to end on, so we'll end on it. I want to remind you all that the Star Trek Day of Blood event is happening now. It's a five-part crossover that's been fantastic so far. So if you want to check that out, um, just go to your local comic shop and buy the issues. Again, it's only been five. It's only five issues. So you can wrap this whole thing up with 20 bucks uh, and you'll get a lot of good storytelling for your bucks. So um, pick that up. Yeah. Heather, is there anything that you want to plug or say to our <laughs> listeners before you head out? Um, just support your favorite comic creators and comic shops. And please, 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 you know, I know Amazon is very, very convenient, but, um, buying from a local comic shop and pre-ordering from a local comic shop helps your creators more directly than, uh, Amazon ever could or will. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your honesty. Um, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it, Heather. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. We're going to quickly say goodbye off mic. So uh, live listeners will be back in a moment. We'll see you then.
And we're back. Thank you for uh, thank you for hanging in there. That was a great interview. I thought really good conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like getting to hear the other parts of comics that aren't you know art and and uh, what's the other one? Writing the words. Yeah, yeah. I feel like writers and artists that we have on here are always going to come from a place of creative passion. They're always going to yep. come from a place of like. This is what I love, and like I should be getting paid, you know, for it fantastically, and all that other stuff, which is all great and true. But I like the the sort of balance that Heather brought to it, um, where she's kind of like, yes, absolutely, but also think about the, the the realities. And it's worth remembering that she's also a creative person. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just the person who's forced to deal with the realities of the business that they're in more than the writer and artist because she deals more with the higher ups she receives those direct notes from the higher ups so it makes a lot of sense um but it was cool to get to talk star wars comics with one of the people who spearheaded that whole initiative that was my shit yo i love vader down when she mentioned Vader. i was like oh vader down you got to scream that that title i think (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to talk a little bit more about that one because that uh, especially her coming out of like saying how the the Star Trek stuff is going to be so just connected now. Um, that book was, I thought, Star Wars and then Vader. They were like hand in hand. Yeah. Imagine working yeah. on Star Wars and Star Trek. Like there's few people that can say they've worked on both as a property. Yeah. Her and J.J. Abrams. Sure. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for the for the love in the chat. Um Sorry we weren't able to get to your questions. It's just that we knew we had a specific uh, time limit. And, you know, you ask anybody one question, they give a three, five-minute answer. It's like, yeah. okay, we can't, you know. It's... So hopefully people to, to come in on their off days at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Appreciate exactly. it. Got to be respectful of all that. And we weren't going to talk about the – you know, IDW originals thing. It's just like weird, it's you know. not related. There's yeah. no orig- there's no official report. Like um IDW does not have an official uh, uh I guess press release for that yet. Mm-hmm. So someone working for them will also not have one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so um but yeah, again, that was super fun. Uh we're not gonna do a full show. Like, we're not going to do news just because we wanted to make the focus of this the Heather interview. But I really, really appreciate everybody um, hanging out with us for it. Atomic Hound says um, that was an excellent interview. So excitement and energizing. Thank you. Uh, realistic about the issues facing our favorite storytelling form. Yeah. There are genuine issues that we are facing 100%. And on this podcast, we always talk about them. Like, this is... Those things that she was talking about are at the core of what we like to talk about on this show. So it's nice to have somebody on to have that kind of conversation and the insight to bring reality to it. Um, and we'll, we'll have her on again. We'll have her on again. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, real quick, though. Uh, how are you guys doing? <laughs> A little mental health check, Sean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I went to a swingers club last night. Um uh, which, <laughs> so I, I sent that to you guys in, in our in our Discord chat. Um, it it was just a, a mini golf thing called the Swingers Club. Uh, but I, I I dropped that bomb. I leave. I let them decipher for a bit. Uh, <laughs> have fun like between themselves. Trying to figure it out. Um, 
you know, and then, yeah, yeah. So, uh, hole in one on the first hole, downhill from there for me. But, uh, I love mini golf. Mini golf is like one of my favorite things. I grew up going to like the Jersey Shore as a kid. So, uh, that is built into my DNA. So, whenever I get to, you know, putt around, I feel good after that. It's a good mental cleanse for me. For sure. Marco? Hey, man, I'm holding on. <laughs> You're hanging in there like that Spider-Man on the back of your fucking chair. No, he's trying. What's, he's on, trying his real hard. What's on the spider nipple? Oh, this is his um, Swamp Thing fan club oh my uh, badge. <laughs> he, yeah, it actually it comes with his own uh, membership card as well. Which he has. So. Oh my god! Because he's he's a huge Swamp Thing fan. For those of you who didn't know, actually, I can't believe you actually have that. Like you actually, he actually pulled out uh, a thing of M- Swamp Thing membership cards. I have two actually, because I've I've uh, <laughs> participated in quite a few fanzines, or like in, you know, I've bought a few fanzines and whatnot. So I have just, my own. I have two membership. One is for me. One is for him. Out there ex- exposing your milk hole like that. I'm sorry. What? Mm-hmm. What's that? Well, uh, I'm good. I'm I'm energized by the conversation that we just had. You know, we had to do a little bit of firefighting in the chat, but that's uh, par for the course when you uh, when you do this kind of thing. God uh, forbid you have uh, a woman on a comic book podcast. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's funny how that works. But anyway, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, as a reminder, of course, if you enjoyed that conversation, if you enjoy what we do on a week-to-week basis, patreon.com slash thecomicspals is the absolute best way to show your support, show your love. We show you love right back by putting out what I believe to be some awesome uh, content on the Patreon side of things. It's never required, but if you enjoy what we do and you want us to continue to do it and be able to continue to support this endeavor then that's the best way to do it uh we give you the book club poll which you get every month uh what's the next book club we're doing uh invasion Invasion. right invasion yes yes invasion that'll be out uh tuesday september 5th so you guys will be able to check out our conversation about dc's invasion not the secret invasion dc's invasion um you get a nickname and a shout out which you guys heard earlier you get our newsletter you get palling around you get a lot of cool stuff so check that out patreon.com slash the comics pals if you want to watch this show live that is every single saturday at 10 15 a.m eastern 6 p.m eastern for pals polls we did move the listener pick poll to youtube so in the community tab you can uh, find the listener pick poll honestly it's probably going to stay there because it's already eclipsing yeah the Twitter poll. Um, so it's probably going to stay there. So from now on, if you want to vote, that's the place to do it. Join our Discord server. Always having fun there. It's a great time. Uh, love to have you guys on board with us for that. Um, and for everything else, you know, at the Comics Pals. Let's hit the plugs. Marco. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Comics Pals and this one with uh, Heather Antos. So thank you guys for the support. It helps to make a lot of these things possible. You know, we get a bit more visibility. We get a bit more access. And um, so, yeah, it's been super helpful. And thank you guys. Uh, otherwise, come talk to me at Mr. Marco Anamoto on Instagram, Twitter. That's it for now. We're currently getting our notifications lit up by a certain group of people. So that's fun. Um, Tyler, go ahead. Uh, you can follow me at uh, the Tyler Olson on Instagram 
X. Oh, I got to update the, the icon up there. Jeez. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, what am I on? I'm on TikTok. Follow us on TikTok, the Comics Pals. Uh, I'm on Threads. I'm on Blue Sky now. I have way too much social media because none of it's centralized. That we haven't, we haven't as a collective consciousness found a spot yet. Um, so it, it's a bit of a di- diaspora, social and social media wise, right now. Um, but I just want to say thanks to the people in the chat that we're you no know, like enthusiastic about stuff. So I appreciate that. I love, love seeing that. You know, with actual actual questions. Um, so yeah, that was that, that was fun. Um, talk to me about Baldur's Gate. Got to me on Discord. I'm there in the video games channel of our Discord, like by myself. Um, come on, people. <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm, I'm like uh, talking to a void, which uh, I've already seen people do today. Um, so I would rather you talk to me on the, on the, the video games channel. That'd be great. Well, if you were talking about something that I could engage you in, I cannot mm-hmm. engage you in Baldur's. Oh, don't talk to me about engaging. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it we'll keep it to star trek <laughs> uh as for me i'm on twitter and instagram only or x and instagram only saying x is the worst i know it's bizarre it's like follow me on pornhub like what are we doing here what <laughs> what <laughs> i'm just I'm monetization it, it, uh, tyler it, it sounds it sounds like it i, I... <laughs> anyway Thank you so much for joining us. We thank you. We love you. We're the Comics Pal signing off. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week.